good morning. Today's daf is daf Chof Aleph. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Yahushua Yitzchak ben Shaul Ruvain Halevi. May his neshama have an aliyah and may his memory be a blessing. Um, we're going to go from about two-thirds way down Chof Amabay's uh, 20b. Um, the line starts Shachre Ruse the Ashaisa. Um, so remember yesterday we were discussing the case of Zenenevitzalachasar. Someone moves into someone's property, a property that is he gains because he doesn't have to pay any rent or anything, and the property owner is not losing out because he doesn't normally rent it out. So I said, like for example, you know, one of these big houses in uh, mansions in Camps Bay, you know, the, the guy goes there and he stays there a few weeks a year. The rest of the year it's left empty. So someone goes and moves into there. Zenenevitzalachasar. So does, can the owner insist on reimbursement, insist on rent? Or do we say, no, once he's, he's not losing out, so therefore he can't uh, insist on payment. We did point out, obviously, if before the guy moves in, the owner says, no, you want to move into my house, you pay. Or when he's in, he says, leave or pay. That's a different story. Here's where he's been living there. Does he pay, uh, what's it, back pay? So Shalchu Bay Rebi Ami, they sent this question to Rebi Ami, and Omar he said, What has he done to him? What loss has he caused him? What damage has he done to him? What are you suing him for? How much? You generally again with damage you're suing for an amount. Oh, you cost me this. I lost out this. I, here the guy didn't lose out anything. So what are you suing him for? That would be that's Rebi Ami's approach. Rebi Chiyabar Abba Omar, Ibn Abba says, literally, I need to sit on the matter. I, I need to think about it a bit more. I'm not sure. So they sent the question again to him. So Omar, says, how many times are you going to send me this question? I told you, I need to think about it. See, would I not have replied to you if I came up with the answer? So Rabbi Chia Bar Abba left it as a doubt. Rabbi Rav Kahana said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, he does not have to reimburse him, uh, pay him rent. Rabbi Avol, Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Avol said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, he does have to pay him rent. Oh, so we've got two different opinions in Rabbi Yochanan. This teaching of uh, Rabbi Avol wasn't said explicitly. He deduced it from a discussion he had from Rabbi Yochanan. Now again, as soon as you're deducing it, well then, did you make the right deduction? And we'll see, it's obvious. And that, we, uh, that's, that suits us, that. Because remember, we have one opinion saying in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, you don't have to reimburse him, pay the rent. And the other opinion says you do. So if we can say <coughs> the one that says you do is got it a bit uh, misunderstood something, then, uh, then that solves the contradiction in Rabbi Yochanan. Again, if there's a contradiction in Rabbi Yochanan, also not. I mean, over his lifetime, he could have changed his mind and he taught one Talmud X and one Talmud Y. But uh, carrying on, so he says, the Tanan, as we learned in the Mishnah. Now this is regarding the Gizbar. Remember, the Gizbar is a temple treasure, so he has a whole lot of temple property in his house that I guess every now and then he sends up to the temple. Now there are two ways of transgressing Me'ila, misappropriating temple property. One is to take it out of temple property, and the second one is to get benefit from it. So a Gizbar, he actually... If he takes it for himself, he hasn't taken it out of temple property because he's just moving it from one pocket to the other. 
So that, that's important to realize going in. So it says, If the gizbar takes a stone or a beam, a brick or a beam belonging to the temple, he hasn't transgressed me'ila. However, if he gives it to his friend, he transgresses me'ila, however, his friend doesn't. Because as soon as he gives it to his friend, it's his, in a way, it's his, the gizbar, so he has a right to do what he wants with it. He could sell it for the base of midash, but so as soon as he gives it to his friend, but not for the base of midash, for chulin, he transgresses me'ila, he's taken it out of temple property, but it's no longer temple property, so the friend doesn't transgress me'ila. If he builds it into his house, he does not transgress me'ila until he lives under it and gets a benefit, the value of a pruta. For Omar Shmuel and Shmuel, Clarified this for This is where he placed it over the skylight. Again, if he builds it into his house, then it undergoes a change and he acquires it through the shinui and he would transgress me'ila at that point. However, if he like just places it over the skylight, it's still intact. So when does he transgress me'ila? When he gets a benefit to the value of a pruta. Now, Rabbi Avol was sitting before Rabbi Yochanan and he said the following in the name of We see from here that if you live in your friend's house without permission, you need to pay him the rent. Why? Because the same here. You're sitting there. Does the Beis Hamikdash know that you're living under one of its beams? So no. But we still see that if you live under it and you incur a debt of a pruta, then you're liable for me'ila. Must be where, so it must be that we see you do have to pay the rent. And therefore, as soon as he's lived under this beam to the value of the rent, he theoretically owes the Beis Hamikdash that pruta or more. So it seems, so that's what Rabbi Avol said before Rabbi Yochanan. And Vishosek lay, Rabbi Yochanan was silent, he didn't respond. Now, Eul Savar, the case is, it's both Rabbi Yochanan, so I don't know what. Uh, because you, I can't see how you can compare Hegdesh to living in somebody's house. Hegdesh is Kurdish. You can't, I mean, you can't even take it out of the temple. You can't, no, so you can take it out of the temple. When I said take it from the temple, I mean take it for yourself or take it for someone else. That's yeah. taking it out of the temple. But here he just placed it over the skylight in his house. So there, what he, we have, he's only liable once he gets benefit. Yeah. Now, we want to say that. He's living under this temple beam without the temple's awareness. And therefore, and he still has to transgress his ma'ila. We see that theoretically he should have to pay for living in someone's property without having transgressed ma'ila. Because again, if he doesn't, if, if you don't have to pay, well then what benefit has he got from this temple, from this beam? That's how we're looking at it at the moment. The Shosek and Rabbi Yochanan was silent, he didn't respond. So you saw me to Shosek He thought Rabbi Yochanan's silence was agreement. That's not true. Rabbi Yochanan was just ignoring him. Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan passed differently. Like Kedarabah, like Rabbah. Omar Rabbah, Hegdeh Shalom Midas, Kehedjot Midas, Dami. Hegdeh Shalom Midas, is like hedjot midas, i.e., you always view it as if the base amigdash knows. I guess it's in a way Hashem's property, Hashem knows. So when you're living under that temple beam, it says if the temple, I guess, said don't, and you're going ahead and doing it, and therefore you're liable. But it doesn't touch on the question of shalomidas. Again, you live in your friend's house without his permission, do you have to pay him rent 
Again, where he's not losing anything. Shalach lei Rabbi Abba bar Zabda lemari bar mar lemari bar mar. Rav Abba bar Zabda sent to mari bar mar. Says boy, my name is Rav Huna. I mean, it's interesting. You see, this discussion spans generations from the early um, Amorayim, Rabbi Yochanan, to the middle generations. It's quite a broad. We're bringing in a whole lot of different opinions, asking what's Salah in this case? What's Salah in this case? Again, I guess almost intuitively, you're living in someone's property. How can you not be liable for anything? But on the other hand, like we saw, what are you suing him for? You're not you having that property sitting empty. Are not really losing anything. Like so, what are you suing him for? The damage you caused. He hasn't done any damage. You're suing him for what you lost. You haven't lost anything. So what? Uh, that's why. Um, so it's a very difficult. From that aspect, it's a difficult question. So that's. I think that's why you're it's spanning so thin. Pardon? You're suing him for the potential. You could rent it out for a thousand. No, we said out. if it's a property that he would, would no, if it's a property that he would rent out. Then you're not allowed to stay there, and you definitely would have to pay him. This is a property he leaves he empty. Yeah. The reason why he doesn't rent out is he doesn't want anybody there. Okay, but then, uh, okay, so then when he finds out you're there, he tells you to leave and you leave. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, so, in the interim, he didn't get the question to, before they could ask Ravuna, Ravuna died. But Ravuna said, I'll tell you what my father said. In the name of Rav, you do not have to pay the red. And a second halacha, if you rent a house from Ruvain, you have to pay Shimon. Shimon what's Shimon doing here? What you rent from Ruvain and you have to pay Shimon? It says, no, this is what he was saying. Then you do have to pay him. I, you, you are under the impression that it was Ruvain's house and you've been paying him rent. And then it turns out that it's actually Shimon's house, so you have to pay Shimon. But now he says, Tarti, that's two contradictory halachas. In the first line, Rav Huna said in the name of Rav, that if you rent your house without your friend's awareness, you, have to, you don't have to pay him rent. Now he said, when you later on find it's Shimon's, I you stayed there without Shimon's awareness, you do have to pay Shimon. Tarti, it's two, con- Tarti literally means two, but two contradictory halachas. So he says, no, Hoda, Kaimel, Agra, the second case where you do have to pay Shimon is where it's meant for renting out. The first case where you don't have to pay it is where it is not rented out. The Namuka Yosef asks, it's interesting, he brings it in the name of the Rosh, in the name of Ri. I, couldn't, I looked in the Rosh, I couldn't see it there, so maybe he, I don't know where he got it from. But, um, the Namuka Yosef asks, why doesn't it just say if he stays in his friend's house that he plans on renting. Why does it have to say he stayed in this house that he was renting from assuming it was Ruvain's from Shimon? It teaches us the same halacha. He was staying in this house that Shimon would have wanted to rent out. So what difference does it make there? Why are you bringing in that he's paying Ruvain the rent? There's no extra halacha. So he says, so he brings an interesting halacha that he wants to say. He says, no, even if you had a very good deal with Ruvain. So Ruvain says, I know standard rent is, I don't know, 10,000 rand a month. I'll let you stay here for 5,000 rand a month. I mean, I guess you should already be suspicious. Um, but he says, I'll let you... Huh? Why is he being... He's, uh, he says, I'll let you stay here for 5,000 rand a month. So comes... Uh, so, so there the Nebuchadnezzar says, says, no, no, no. She'll be saying, oh, you have to pay Shimon. He's saying you have to pay Shimon what he would have got, the 10,000 rand a month. So even though you were staying in the... And you can't pay... Well, had I known it would cost me 10,000 rand a month, I would never have stayed there. Too bad. You stayed in Shimon's house. Shimon would have rented it. 
You're costing him money, you have to pay him. And then there's a whole discussion, who sues who? Does, uh, how did you, you have to go to Ruvain the thief and get the money from him, and you have to, to like a little bit of a discussion there in the Rishonim, but that's, uh, let's carry on. Cheers, Mervin, have a good day. It's Marnami, Omar Ibi Barabin, Omar Rav, Omri Law, Omar Ibi Barabin, Omar Rav Huna, some say it was Ibi Chia Barabin, name of Rav, and some say in the name of Rav Huna, Adab Chotzeh Chaver, Shaloi Midata, and the circle, Alos Chotzeh Chav. If you stay in your friend's house without his awareness, you don't have to, again, even if he knows about it, but he doesn't um, complain, you don't have to pay his Chav. Um, then we say, If you rent a house from the people of the city, you have to pay the owners. So what do you mean? It's belongs, it's, isn't it the city? Why are you paying the owners? This is basically the same thing. Instead of changing Ruben to Shimon, that you paid the city, and then it turns out it belongs to someone specific. So you have to pay the owner. But again, this is too contradictory. Because in the first case, you said that if you stay in someone's property without their awareness, you have to, you don't have to pay them. And now he's saying if you stayed in this property without the Balim's awareness, you do have to pay him. There's no harder Kamala Agra or Loy Kamala Agra. As we said, where it's meant for renting, then you would have to pay. Okay, Omarav Schoira, Omarav Huna. So if there's a, you know, that what's it, the Tulet sign outside the house, and you know that, that no one's staying there, then you would definitely have to pay. Um, where he, again, he plans on keeping it empty, you don't have to. Now, Omarav Schoira, Omarav Huna. Rav Schoira said the name of Rav Huna. Omarav in the name of Rav. If you stay in your friend's house without his awareness, and so without his permission, you do not have to pay him rent. Why? The post says, literally, desolation will destroy the gates. Rashi explains, She'i uh, is either, a, either referring to demons in general, or it's the specific name of a demon, but demons inhabit. Demons inhabit abandoned property or empty property, and it will destroy it. So by you staying there, you're actually helping the guy. It says, Oh, Mamar, Baravashi, Ledidi, Chazili, Umenageh, Kitura. Ma Baravashi said, I saw it, and it was like a goring ox. So what's it, a bull in a china shop, this uh, demon. It says, Rav Yosef, Oh, Mabesa, Misvi Yosef. Rav Yosef gives a different reason. He says, No, a house that is dwelt in, will continue. And Rashi explains, because when you're staying in a house, you make sure that it's okay. You know, one of the windows are cracked, so you replace the window, the, some of the paint's peeling, so you fix it. For some reason, the house Yeah, so that's the thing. So, so, so you see that. It's either the demon or like Rav Yosef, it's just there's no one to keep it out. So, my Bene, what difference does it make whether you say the reason is because of the demon or the reason is because the house that's dwelt in um, let's just say, looked after, is taken care of. So it says, The difference is, what happens if it's used as a storehouse? So it's full of straw. So there's no demon. Demons aren't going to inhabit that place. It's full. However, there's no one hanging around to upkeep it, to take care of the little things. Um, so that's the that's the halacha. Now there's a discussion. What's the what, the whole sugya up to here? The, Ram, the Rashi says I'm bewildered. The whole sugya up to here was, if you stay in your friend's house and he doesn't lose out, you don't have to pay him rent. This last line basically implies if you stay in your friend's house but you help him a little, 
Are you adding value? It might be a minimal value, but you staying there is preventing the deterioration of this thing, of this house. Um, it. Uh, Um, you staying, um, you, you're now implying, so is it implying that if you just don't cause him a loss, that's not good enough? You actually have to contribute a little to it. That's what this, again, doesn't fit in with the rest of the sugya. Again, um, so the one explanation, the Rosh seems to say, it's an additional reason. The primary reason is, your friend hasn't lost out at all, and therefore you don't have to pay. And this is an additional reason, not only that, you're helping him a little bit. But almost, uh, but the Rashba, I thought, gives a very good answer. He says, no, because when you stay in a house, there is general wear and tear. The carpets are slowly wearing down, paint's getting a bit dirty where you bump it with your bag, whatever it is. So there is a little bit of wear and tear. So what they're saying is that wear and tear is uh, paid off. What's it counted yeah. with the benefit of having someone stay there? And that's what, so it actually is Zenene, this one's gaining, he's staying in a house rent-free. The Zelochos says the friend's not losing anything. He's not gaining anything, but he's not losing anything. That's how the Rashba learns. Okay, Ahu Gabra de Bono Apanjad Akil Kalusa de Yasme. There was a certain person who built, uh, and that seems to be how we end off with the Sukhya, that Zenene, Zelochos, you don't have to pay rent. Ahu Gavra the bona apanda akilkulusa di yasme. There was a certain person who built a mansion on a rubbish heap of orphans. Rav Nachman confiscated the mansion from him. Um, the Rosh explains that Rav Nachman confiscated it, saying, I'm not, you, know, you don't get it back until you pay the orphans what's due to them. Um, so he says, oh, It seems like Rav Nachman holds that if you stay in your friend's house without permission, you do have to pay schar. That's why Rav Nachman took the mansion. Oh, these poor orphans had this beautiful place and now they, no, they lose out because he's staying there. Well, they don't lose out, but you still have to pay them. He says, No, originally there were these Karmanaims who used to live there. And they would give the orphans a small amount. So Rab Nachman told this guy, go appease the orphans, go settle, go make a deal. You built a mansion on their property. How much would someone who wants to build a mansion on their property have to pay? So therefore, um, so he told this guy, go settle with the orphans, you should be paying them the full amount that you would normally have to pay to, to get the rights from someone's property to build a mansion. But, so, so go settle, go make a deal with them. But Lord Eshkach and the guy didn't listen. So therefore, Nachman confiscated the mansion from him. And so it's not about uh, the guy. The, the orphans did lose out. What did they lose out? The man they were getting from the Karmanai. And if once they're losing out... A uh, group of people, I don't know, uh, nomads, I don't know. Um, squatters. No, but they weren't because they were paying, uh, they were paying yeah, something. Squatters. 
So, uh, but this guy now caused them a loss. So as we saw earlier from the Nemuka Yosef, he is causing the person a loss. He has to pay full amount. So that would be how much would it cost to build your mansion on their property. Um, yeah, the Rosh points out a few, a few more points, but I think let's go on. Um, Kate said, The Mishnah then said, you pay what you benefit, or when is this that you paid what you benefit? So I'm just going to read the, the next line. So from the Mishnah, If the animal ate from produce that was in the field, he pays the benefit. If the animal eats from the side of the Rishus Harabim, he eats from what he damages. Okay, so now the Gemara asks, Omara, when is this that he's liable when the animal eats from the side of the Rishus Harabim? Basically, it's very normal for an animal to be walking along the middle of the road. But the animals aren't going to walk on basic walk on the pavement. So we're saying that if it's walking on the middle of the road and it eats, you're exempt. If it walks, if it's walking ahead and it's eating from the side, then you're liable for, well, you're exempt, you have to pay but not the actual damage caused. If it eats from the side, you have to pay the actual damage you caused. So Rav Omar B'mazeres, Rav says the case is where the animal just turns his head and the animal's walking along the middle of the road and it just turns its head to the side and eats a little bit from the side and you're liable in that case for the full damages. Ushmul Omar and Shmuel says, Afilu Mazeres Nami Potu, even Mazeres Yu Potu, yeah. Yeah, so you pay. So, so that's we said. That's where it's walking in the street and it eats. When you're walking in the street and the ox eats, you pay what the benefit you gained. If it eats, but the mission said if it eats from the side of the rishus harabim, you pay the damage. So now Rav says again, I'm learning it like Rashi. Tosas have a totally different way of learning. I'm learning like Rashi that the animal is walking in the middle and it just turns its head to the side there Rav says you pay full damages not just what you benefit but full damages and Shmuel says no you also Potter are you would only pay what you benefit so he says so when according to Shmuel are you chayev for the damage you caused by your animal eating the Tzidei Rishus Arabi he says no where the animal went and stood on the side of the road so again the question is that, so how, how normal is it for an animal to just turn its head and eat what's on the pavement according to Rav well, according to Rav it's normal enough that you it's not I'm sorry according to Rav it's not normal and therefore the owner is liable for the full damage he caused Whereas according to Shmuel, no, it's normal, and therefore when would we when would we say that the owner is liable for full damages with Sidaraji? Is that the animal walks onto the pavement and goes and eats the produce? So that's again Mahzeris is the case where the animal's walking down the normal place, the middle of the road, and it turns its head to the side. So some actually taught this not in going on the Mishnah, but it's an independent teaching. Mazeres recording if the animal turns its head and eats from the side of the Rishus Arabim. Rav Omar Chayevet, Shmuel Amar Petura. Rav says you Chayev and Shmuel says you Potter. Oh, Shmuel the Mashalev is Mashiach Zaykaechem Mishkachaslo. When the Mechayvo, when you can have a case according to Shmuel that you Chayev for eating on the side of Rishus Arabim. Kagon the Shal Kolor Chava. The case is where it left the street. But Ozlo Vakama Betzira Rechava and it went and stood on the side of the Rechava of the street. Okay. 
challenge. It's actually going to be a challenge on Rav. says, If the animal eats from the opening of the shop, he pays what he benefited. Again, not the damage he caused, from the benefit. What's the case? It must be a case where the animal's walking down the middle of the road and it turns its head to the side. It eats out of the entrance of the shop because the shop's never going to put its goods into this middle of the street. It's always going to be on the side. So why would the owner only be liable for Hanor? Must be the animal was walking along the middle of the street and it turned to the side. And there it says, what you benefit. Only for the benefit your animal got, you got from your animal eating it and not from the damage it caused. So who moisib lova who mafarek the kaim of a karen zombies. Rav Nachman Yitzchak asked this challenge on Rav, but he answered it saying it's where the shop is by a corner. If you look, the Rashi has a picture. So the, the big square is the normal Rishus Harabim, and then it narrows out, narrows. And the shop is just on the inside of the narrowing corner. So the animal is, with the animal walking straight along the middle of the Rishus Harabim, it bumps, it kind of bumps into the opening of the shop. And that's why that is considered normal, and therefore he only has to pay for the Hanoi, not the full damages. Everyone agrees that with the animal walking in the street and it turns its head to the side, you liable. That's not normal behavior for the animal, and therefore you're liable to full damages. Key pliggy, where do Rav and Shmuel argue? where he designates some of his property for the Rishus Harabim. I, instead of building his house right up to the Rishus Harabim where he's allowed to, he builds his wall a bit further back, in like Benji Silverman's house. Yes. He hasn't built his wall along the thing. He's built it back and he allows people to park there and use it. So that's the sort of house uh, um, Dave Berman's is similar. You know, like that. So as opposed to building up to Rishus Rabbim, you pull back. Now it's your property, but you've kind of given the public permission to walk and drive there. So how do we view it? So he says, Vahachi itma, and this is how it would be, this is how you would express the Makloikas. Omar Abloishno Ella Magzeres. This that we said you is Chayev is only by Magzeres. If you give from your property to the Rishus Harabim, you're exempt. No, the person who damages is exempt because he's allowed to let his animal walk in a heavy car in the park on Dave Berman's tiling there. As Brooks said, he's got that you crack the brick. You're exempt because he could have Probably, yeah. I mean, let's see the sugya. You have to see how it translates. But Shmuel Omar Afilu Makatsem Mokom Meshusalushus Harabim Chayeves. Shmuel says, no, even if he gives you place from the, from his property, he gives it to the public, you are liable for damages. The owner who caused the damage is liable. Now we're going to suggest what they're arguing. Name of a Bobby Shusa can make fliggy. They're arguing in the Machlokes of Bobby Shusa. That is a discussion later on in the Masechta. But basically, what happens if I dig a hole in my garden? Now, obviously, if someone walking in my garden, they fall in the hole, I'm not liable. But what happens if I dig a hole in my garden and I muskir the area around it? Now it turns out that I've got a bore in the middle of public property. So what's the halacha there? It's a machloikes, Rebbe Shmuel and Rebbe Akiva. 
saying yeah so the uh, so so therefore um that's the machlokes by Bobby Shusa. Now what it's partially based on is because when you're here by putting your produce there you set up a bore an animal might slip there. So again so if we hold if you allowed if you must give your property around your bore you're not liable then, if so, then in this case, by putting his fruit there, he would not be liable. And if your animal eats it, you would be liable for full damages. If you go like the other opinion that no, you're, you're, if you mafki, you are liable. And therefore, um, it's as if you've put a boar there. And if the owner eats from it, if the owner's animal eats there, then you're not liable. If I damage your bar somehow, I'm not liable. Or if I use your bar, it doesn't become mine. So that's why, and that's how you do. So let, let's see. Come, Rab to Amar Potu Rab. He says you're exempt cause of a bar bishul He holds if you have a bar in your property, you would be liable. Again, okay, so you put the, you dug a hole, or you put the, you put this fruit there, and you're allowed to put this fruit there. However, the area around the fruit is. Rishus Harabim, because you allow them to go there. Therefore, you've set up a boar. Therefore, if my animal comes and damages, I'm putting it in inverted commas, because if it's a real boar, how does he damage a boar? But my, you use, if I use your boar at Kavachomer, if I damage your boar, I would not be liable. So how much more? So, so, so to hear when the animal eats the produce, which is a boar, Rishus Harabim, he's not liable. Ushmul to Amar Chai, of course, of a Bobby Shusa Potter. And Shmuel says, you liable, hold the Bobby Shusa Potter. No, you're allowed to, you dug it permissively. When you uh, permitted the land around it, obviously you're permitting it in a way that I'm not going to be liable for my bar. I would never, why would I give my driveway for the Rishus Harabim knowing that I'm now going to be liable for damages? Obviously not. So that's how Shmuel would explain it. And therefore, when your animal eats from there, The animal is liable. Omar Lachor Rav. Rav will tell you. So now we're going to say it's not necessarily that focus because Rav will tell you. I could say in general, in general, a borbishuso is exempt. The shiny hacha, but here's different. The Omar lab kol kimon the makeves lehu leperosech or lishus harabim umachayeves lehu leturai. Says it's not fair that you put your food so close and I guess accessible to the lishus harabim, and now you're going to make me liable, my ox liable. No, that's not fair. Um, Rashi explains. Um, obviously. When the Torah says you liable, sorry. Um, you know, I think that the, the spore here is obviously you have to distinguish between whether you're allowed to put it there or not. But he's saying you've got this open space where you've said anyone can use it. And you're putting your food right there. You can't make me accountable for my art. Shmuel could actually say, actually, in general, if a bar is chayav, because a bar, the owner could say, that the one who was in the nizah could say, I didn't see it. 
And our parents, me kilomay malavadata, how could he claim I didn't see it? Holo chazilei. Me kilomay malavadata, holo chazilei. He can't say, oh, sorry, ho chazilei. He can't say, I don't know about it, because he would see it. If there's boxes of fruit or piles of grain on the side, you're going to see it. So you can't have that issue. Interesting enough, though, just this is an important distinction to make. Rashi says it, holo chazilei. Afilu huchleko bohen. Potter. So even if the animal slips in them, you potter. Oh, the takola boru. Don't we say whenever there's a takola, it's a bar? If I put my huge knapsack in the middle of the street and something walking along and trips over it, that's a bar. So why is that any different here that you can't see it? It says, Hani midi birshus harabim. That's in Rishus harabim where you don't have permission. But here he does have permission. It's his driveway. It's his uh, property. So he's allowed to put the fruit there. And therefore he can claim, well, you should have seen it. And that's not my problem. But you're right. Generally, if you do a bore in Rosh Harabim, even a visible bore, you would be liable. Okay, Leima Machzeres Tanahi. Ah, maybe this Machloikas Machzeres is, is actually Machloikas Tanahi. Remember, Machzeres is the animals walking along the middle of the road and it turns to eat some produce from the side of the road. The Tanya, we see this in a bright. If he's eating from the middle of the road, he pays for what he benefited. If it eats from the side of the road, he pays for the damage he caused. No, it's not normal for the animal to eat. It's just normal for it to walk. To walk. Now the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosi, Haina Tanakama. Rabbi Yosi is the exact same as the Tanakama. Why? So Rashi uh, explains that basically, um, Rabbi Yosi can't mean that there's no such thing as shame in Rishus Harabim. The eye that an animal never doesn't eat when it's walking along. Because the Pasuk says, when you liable for shame, when it eats in someone else's field. Implying that it does eat in Rishus Harabim. You're just, just not liable. So, so, so the animal does eat. So what, can, what, do Rabbi, what does Rabbi Yosi mean when he says... It's not normal for it to eat, just to walk. Must mean... So, so, so that's the question. He, he must mean the same as Rav. Uh, sorry, as the first opinion, Rabbi Man Rebuda, that the animal's just walking along and eating. So El, but now, so they're saying the same thing. So, no, Rabbi Yoisei... Yeah, Rabbi Yoisei Tanakama. Is Rabbi Yoisei not the same as the Tanakama? So El Amangzeres Ikebenehu. No, the Machloikes between them is... Machzeres. The Tanakama holds that Machzeres would pay, is what he benefits. Why? Because it's normal. That's what he says. Uh, where was it? But it means Machzeres. Sorry, mitochar chovah meshalemes ma'shenes, and where it's walking along says yah. Shenes v'rebi yosi sovah meshalemes ma'shezek. Rebi yosi holds no, he pays what he eats. I, it's not normal for an animal to be walking along the middle of the road and eat from the side of the road, and therefore he pays the damage he did. Right? That's it. It's just difficult because 
where he said Mitzir Harachov Meshalem is Ma'ashei Zayka. That's for, so that according to how's that going to be arguing with Rabbi Yehuda? No, because that's where the animal's actually standing on the side of the Rishus Harabim. Whereas Rabbi Yosi says, No, the animal, it's not normal for an animal to be walking along and eat. I, Rabbi Meir, would have to hold that it is normal for an animal to walk along and eat. What do we mean by an animal walking along and eating, turning its head and eating from the side of the Rishus Harabim? So Rabbi Yosi holds, you pay for your damage because it's not normal, and Rabbi Meir says, No, it's it is normal and therefore the owner of the project should not have put it there. Lot, that's not necessarily the machloikas. You can say machzeris can fit in with rav or shmul. They're actually arguing in the halach of bi'ebistayachim. The one opinion holds when it says you liable for shame if it eats in the nizak's field. That's not in rishus harabim. If it does eat in rishus harabim, you. Exempt. As long as it's in the Rishus, you liable if it grazes in the, eats in the Nizak's field, but not in the Mazik's field, but in Rishus Harabim, you would be Chayav. So that's, we've, this is, we've never seen this before, but this is another way of reading the Apostle. When, it, when you're eating another field, you Chayav, that's just excluding from the Mazik's field. If your ox comes into if I put something in your garden and your animal damages it, the Pasuk says, No, you're not liable. I don't need a Pasuk to tell me that. I can just say, what's your ox doing in my garden? Pardon? Let me start one second. Um, obviously, if you put produce, um, yeah, if your ox or whatever of yours is in my garden and my animal causes damage, I don't need a POSIC to tell me that I'm not liable. I can just say, what was your ox or whatever I was doing in my property? So therefore, the mazik would be exempt in that case. I don't need the POSIC. So again, so what are Rav Yosei and Rabbi Meir arguing on? It says, difference is Ilfa and Reboshaya. What's Ilfa and Reboshaya? So remember that's yesterday's stuff. If you have the animal eating off the back of another animal or an animal balancing on a basket and eating from it, all those cases, that was Ilfa and Reboshaya. The one opinion would hold, the Tanakama would hold, that is, um, that is normal and therefore Mashalemes. Um, sorry, who holds what? Yeah, um, you're only chai, the Tanakam would hold your only chai for the benefit you get because it does walk along and eat. And Rebbe Yoisi and Rebbe Elozo would hold that no, you only you even chai for what you damage because that is nor the animal, it's normal for the animal to walk along and do that. Sorry, it's not normal in their view of Bilal. Okay, next Mishnah. Now we're going to go on to more... Now we've established the basic principles of regal and shame. We're going to go into some more specifics. Um, If you have a dog or a little uh, goat, a kid, on a roof and it jumps and damages Kalim, Meshalem, Nezek, Sholem, Ibnei Shahim, Mu'adim. You pay Nezek, Sholem because they are Mu'adim. It's very normal for dogs and, and uh, kids to jump. And therefore, if, when you leave your dog or your kid goat on the roof, 
and it jumps off and damages Kalim, you should have known it would have, and therefore you're liable. Akelev Shanot, now another case. Akelev Shanot al Kharorah we've actually seen this case before, but we're going to go into it in the Gomorrah more detail, well, the Mishnah and the Gomorrah more detail. Akelev Shanot al Kharorah Vahalach Lakadish. If you have a dog that grabbed uh, some sort of loaf of bread or biscuit off the fire, and it went and sat by the haystack, gain of the Nizah, Ochul Kharorah Vahidlik Hakadish. It ate the Kharorah, but there was a little piece of coal stuck to the bottom of the Kharorah, and that set the haystack alight. On the charora you pay full damages, uh, and on the you pay, and on the haystack you pay half. Okay, the Gomorrah will discuss that case. We're focusing on the first case now. Okay, fine. Cheers. Have a good. Uh, very late. We started very late today. Um, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So the Gomorrah points out that time of the kofzul, you implied that specifically if the dog jumped off the roof, you're liable. Or not flew potter, but if the dog fell off the roof, you'd be exempt. So you have this dog of this little kid running around the roof, kid as in a goat, not a person, yeah. running around the roof. If they jump off, you're liable because that's normal. Implying that if they fell off, you'd be exempt. Says We see that he's past, in this case, he seems to be saying, if something starts off with negligence, I that you should be liable, but then it happens in an ones way, you're exempt. Because here, you're liable, you should not have left your dog running around the roof. It's likely, it's negligent, because it will jump off the roof and damage the kaolin below it. However, what happened in the end, it fell. Oines. As we're going to point out, the there's nothing intrinsically wrong with saying that, except that it's a machlokia samurai in Papa Matsya. If something starts off with shia and then it's oinos, do we say, well, he was negligent at, at the starting point, therefore he's liable? Yes, since at the end of the day it was oinos, he's exempt. That's a machlokia samurai, and we should bring our Mishnah to answer it. It says, Tanya Nami Hachi, and we have a price which basically teaches the same thing. If you have a dog or a kid that were jumped off the Top of the roof, and they for kalim, and they broke kalim mishalim nezek shalim. They pay full damages, no fluputurim. But if they fell off, you need to be exempt. So the Gemara points out, This fits very well with the opinion that says that if something starts off in negligence and it ends off in oynes, you're exempt. How are you going to explain this mission and the price according to the one who says you chayev? So Gemara says, no, it's where the utens, the vessels were very close to the wall. Because if the dog would have, or the kid would have jumped off the roof, they wouldn't have landed on them. So it's not sheer. Again, when an animal jumps off a roof, it doesn't land right by the base of the wall. It lands a little bit, whatever, a meter or two away from the wall. So if there were if there was, I saw, oh, my dog's running on the roof. Let me just check that it's not going to cause any damage. Oh, there are things leaning against the wall. It's going to jump over them onto the ground. So I'm not sure for those kalim. And then what happened? The dog fell off and broke them. Okay, that's oinase. I can't take into account that my dog will fall and break them. You know what? I think let's leave it here. We'll continue with Ravzvid tomorrow.